Welcome to WeChat Divorce. We're here to talk about real people, real situations, and real divorce. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Catherine. And today, we're going to take you behind the scenes to talk about some real situations that you or your loved one may encounter when you're facing divorce. Next, we'll respond to an email from a viewer about a question that they have and how they're navigating their process. Then our guest today is attorney Mary Fran Quinlan, who will join us and talk about complex divorce. Catherine, want to take us behind the scenes? So behind the scenes, we like to talk about things that have been occurring as it relates to our guest. So I want to take you behind the scenes of a situation where I had been working with wife to get her financials together. She was contemplating divorce, as a matter of fact, over a year. So she was gathering her information and preparing for that. And time came where she was ready to move out and separate. The problem was is that she never worked outside the home, so she would immediately need support. At that point, we knew she needed an attorney because we can't um, file for support for her. So Karen then comes into um, the picture and will find the right attorney for her, set up the consult, and they go to the consult. Karen is great when she's there working as her advocate, listening to the attorney and the client interact. She'll go with her questions. We have the questionnaire. She'll take notes. And then at the end of that meeting, she recaps it. We share the information in the system that we have so that I can go on and see what happened at the appointment. The client can go on. And then the attorney can go on. And we, we all stay in the loop with the conversation. So that went well. That yeah, went it went well. well. We, t we had our questions, and I make sure that she gets to put out her questions, and I offer some questions as well. Um, we'll go into that a little further in, in the program. But I really try to help them understand that the hour that they have with that attorney needs to work for them. So it, it's really important that they're focused, because once they walk into that room, they get very emotional and overwhelmed, especially when they're learning or they're listening to language that they've never heard before. So we're happy the appointment goes well. Mm -hmm. That next morning, I get into my office with a frantic email. The attorney said something totally opposite of what she thought she was going to say, and the attorney scared her, and she told her she needed to get a job, and she needed to get herself together, and she's crying. Now, I had reviewed the notes that were in our system, and I thought, well, this doesn't sound like the notes that are in the system. So let me get Karen on this call so we're all in it together. I, make, I check Karen's time. We make an appointment with the client. The client is going crying, saying the attorney is not the right attorney, that she thinks she lied to her, and going on and on and on. And we let, it, we let her get it all out of her system because I'm looking at Karen and Karen's like, this is not what I heard. So when she was finished, Karen said, now can I just tell you what I heard in that appointment? And she went through the whole, her notes, the whole interaction with the attorney and what the attorney actually was saying to her. And then the client says, oh, Oh, you're right. That is what she said. Oh, okay. But here the problem was she went home feeling good. She starts talking to her girlfriends again, starts saying things that the attorney said that she thought she said, and they went off on a tangent, which put her into a whole frenzy where she didn't, uh, frenzy, I should say, <laughs> that she didn't sleep all night. And all of a sudden in the morning, it was a, this is an emergency. I got to go. So she felt much better. And then for our point of view is the attorney loves that because you know, they don't want to look like the crazy one either. So you got to really set yeah. straight what was going on, and now she can go back and move forward with making the right choices for her. Yeah, it happens so often that 
they will go home and realize that they can't answer all of the questions of their family and friends. And then they start doubting. And then they start mistrusting the process. And then they want to make the, the attorney the excuse or the bad guy there, yeah. where it's really not the case, especially in this case. Right. So it's really, you know, the takeaway here is this is an emotional process, and meeting with an attorney is a scary process as well. You know, we hold them to be like the end all be all. They know mm -hmm. what's going on. So when we get in there, we tend to let our emotions take over. So it's very important to have an advocate with you, um, and it will really go a long way. Absolutely. Okay, so you got a little behind the scenes. Next, we'll respond to a question from a viewer. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today, we're going to read a letter from a viewer, and we chose an email from Monica from South Carolina. Monica writes, Dear C&K, my name is Monica, I'm 39 years old, and my husband has told me he wants a divorce. We have three children, all under the age of 13, and I work part-time. I do not know how I will support myself and three children. My friend has recommended an attorney, but I'm unsure if she is right for me. She said she's a pit bull, and that's why she's so expensive. Does that mean she's the best attorney? Help, Monica. So finding an attorney that's best suited for you is critical to your divorce. While some people insist on a pit bull, that may or may not be good for you. You may get into the interview and feel that they're not going to represent your best interest. On the other hand, you may get into an attorney's office who you do not feel is going to be as proactive as you need. So we have created a series of questions that allow you to interview your attorney because in an initial consult, that's what you will be doing and not the reverse. And let me tell you, it's so important that you write down those questions because I promise you, again, if once you get into the attorney's office, it's very emotional. You're talking about one of the most emotional transitions in your life. Being prepared is so important. I think it's interesting the, question, the um, mm -hmm. assumption of a pit bull <laughs> and the expense of an attorney. Do you judge your attorney based on what their rates are and whether they're a pit bull? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really more important to step back and say, where am I emotionally? Where am I financially? And who is the best attorney is, uh, um, for my needs? And right. yeah. an attorney for you might not be the same attorney for me. Absolutely. So you really can't go by what somebody else, a girlfriend or so forth, recommends because your scenario could be different. Mm -hmm. So once you evaluate where you are, and then think about it. That's what I love about what we do, just mm -hmm. knowing the right mix for you. Um, because really, a good attorney is not necessarily a pit bull. A good attorney is listening to your needs, and they're willing to work with what's best for you. And if they need to be aggressive or um, assertive, mm -hmm. then they're able to do that. Yeah. Um, so you really need a mix, mixture of an attorney because it's yeah. so emotional. Yeah. So a pit bull to me would be like, I can't, I, I won't even be able to communicate with you, right? Because if right. I saw a pit bull coming towards me, I'd be running. Yeah. So I want someone who has compassion, but yet is strong enough to be assertive and 
work with you with your needs. And that's why it's so important to bring someone with you who is a neutral. And a lot of people want to bring a friend or a family member. And that's okay, but they're going to be emotional too. And when you have a third party neutral who can really listen to the attorney, write down what they're saying so that later they can remind you of what was said, the recap, and, and their takeaway from it, that keeps everybody on the rails, as I say, and keeps you in focus and engaged in what the attorney needs from you. So I want to go over a couple questions um, on our attorney interview questionnaire. We've developed an online course that kind of takes you through the process of divorce and takes you through the terminology, again, so that when you start the process, everything is not so new. So the first question that we have on our list is asking the attorney, what is your overall philosophy or style when handling a divorce? Again, when you're sitting down with that attorney, you're going to experience their style and you're going to see if that's gonna work for you or not. And later down in the list, um, the, uh, the other question is, oh, are you more likely to tell me what to do or offer me suggestions? I would like to ask Mary Fran that when she comes on. Okay. Because how do you know if they're, you know, what that if they would do that? Mm -hmm. That's a good. That's a good question. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about fees, and that's a very appropriate question. So, how much will you charge? That's so important. What is the retainer? Don't be afraid to ask the question. You're entering into a business transaction with your attorney, and you need to get it taken care of, and you need to know what the expectations are, and you need to know if there's anything that you can do to make your case go more efficiently and effectively. Another question is, um, how will you communicate with me? This is so important because I, I hear from a lot of people who will say, I sent an email to my attorney, I called my attorney, I don't hear back from them, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And again, a lot of time it's because you forget what's going on when you're talking with your attorney. So again, the need for advocacy is so important because someone who's been there can remind you where you are. But again, setting up those expectations with your attorney is very important so that they know what your expectations are and you know what their expectations are. You also wanna know if who's gonna be on your team at that attorney's firm, and you need to make sure that you're able to meet with anyone who's going to be working on your case. It's important, because if the attorney's out of town and someone's covering for them, again, you need to know what that means to you and your case and your communication in the divorce. So Monica, just know where you are emotionally, where you are, where you see yourself going, and remember to get a list and interview your attorney. Next, we're gonna have our guest, attorney Mary Fran Quinlan, who's gonna talk with us about complex litigation. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome, Mary Fran. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us today. Thank you. Why don't we start out with you giving us a little bit of background about how you got into family law and where you started and how you got to where you are now. Okay, well, I'm originally from New Jersey yes. where it's very cold and snows. <laughs> and so I graduated from Rutgers and knew that I wanted to move to the Beaufort area. I'd been coming here since I was a child. I knew this is where I wanted to be. So I went to the University of South Carolina for law school. But first I joined the Marine Corps. Oh. And so then I went to the University of South Carolina for law school. And 
after I graduated from the University of South Carolina, I went to training for the Marine Corps, the basic school, Naval Justice School, and then I was stationed at Paris Island, which is, for anybody who's not from here, right across from Beaufort, within Beaufort. So and when I was on active duty, I did about two years of defense work and about two years of legal okay. assistance, which is basically family law. Mm -hmm. And that's when I learned that I really, really understand and like doing family law. Okay, great. Well, we're glad that we're glad that you do that, and we love working with you. Wonderful. That's great. We do. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think we're going to circle back to a question that was asked a little bit ago that we wanted to ask directly to you, and the question is: Do you tell your clients what to do, or do you help them make the best decisions for themselves? Well, wondering if I was the pit bull attorney that Monica <laughs> was asking about because I hear that so often when people come in and I say to them, you know, that's really nice that other people are saying these horrible things about me that help sell me, but in reality I'm hardest on my clients. Mm -hmm. And I say that to them. I say, you know, when we walk out of these doors, whatever you want, ultimately you're paying me to advocate for you. As long as it's not unethical, or illegal or damaging to my professional reputation, I will go out and let you spend $3,000 to fight over a $20 end table because it means that much to you. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you why you're wasting your money and why you're wasting your resources. Mm -hmm. But I never tell a client what decision to make. I always present them with as many options as possible, particularly when it's a strategic question for trial. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, he isn't paying uh, he isn't paying the credit card bill on time. I want to rule him in. I want a contempt action. Will you do that? And I'll say, okay, well, let's talk about it. Why isn't he paying the, the payment on time? Well, he just got laid off. Okay, well, we could still do a contempt action or a rule to show cause if you want, but a defense is the inability to pay. So then I flesh it all out. And then I frequently, I'm, I'm really big in giving what I call my homework, mm -hmm. handwritten notes. I think you guys have probably Good. seen the clients yeah. come in with my handwritten. I do it on purpose so I can always recognize. Yeah. And I'll write down, here are your options. You know, Option A is the pit bull attack. Um, and this is what I think the likelihood of success for that is and why you mm -hmm. should do that. One thing I love about you from personal um, experience with joint clients is that you really do want the individuals to move forward in a positive direction. You really do want them to transition through this process in the best possible way. And you're really open to them making decisions outside of your room. But if that goes awry, you are so ready to be that aggressive attorney. And that's such a great mix. I mean, it's really very good. Well, I appreciate that. I, I will say, good. though, that what I frequently say to clients, too, is that in family law, if you do complex cases, and complex doesn't always mean a lot of money. Sometimes mm -hmm. it can be custody battles. Sometimes there might be international components. There can be lots of things that make a case complex. But if you do complex work, it means you love to litigate because mm -hmm. you're going to court a lot. And I tell clients right. all the time, I love to litigate, and I've got lots of children to put through college. So if you <laughs> want me to litigate, I'm happy to do it, and I like to litigate, but my happiest clients control their own destiny, settle their cases quickly, have minimal contact with me. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, what do you do if a client sits in front of you and says, I don't know what to do, just tell me? I send them to you guys. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 depends on the, it depends on what it is they're confused about. Obviously, I don't send people to you if their question is, 
should I take, should I separate the twins? Right, right. Um, but if I send them to therapists and everyone gets a list of therapists that I've worked with and I say just because you might have a therapist that's not on this list that I don't even know about, tell me if you have a good experience with someone. Um, but if it's money, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, there are two things that save clients thousands in legal fees, private investigators and divorce financial planners. And I say, you know, I'm happy to sit here at you know my hourly rate and go over how much you have for a cell phone bill and how we can reduce your cell phone plan to make it more effective for you, but that doesn't <laughs> seem like a good use of your money. But I will do it, right? and I have. Yeah. But when they come in and they say, I always say to the clients, what's your, what's your end game? What's your wish list? If I could get you anything you wanted. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my Key that. West story. Yes. I say, I'd be living in Key West in a trailer. That's what my end game, <laughs> if you let me. But, but I say, what's your end game? And then I say, can we, you know, what do I need to get you there? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, you can't ask me. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a forensic accountant. I'm not right. a financial planner. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how to get you an 8 yeah. or 6 or a 4% return or how much you need based on that. If you can bring to me a plan that's been put in place with a clean financial declaration and preferably a marital asset addendum that shows how we're getting there, then it's my job to then take that and go and see. And sometimes they'll come and I'll say, I can't do this. You know, I he'll never agree to give you all the cash or she's never going to let you keep the marital home. Mm-hmm. But then we can move things. But I love that right. approach and it really gives the client the real uh, feeling that you are looking at everything in her best interest and you are looking to save them time and money and stress by using other professionals to help with the whole team and the whole process. It really is so much better for anyone going through this process. Yeah. When I do consults, I say to them all the time that in my years of experience, I, I try to be holistic because I only do family law. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about, I say, I know what I don't know, and I know what you don't need to pay me to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they yeah. sometimes people don't make decisions thinking, well, we can work this out, so I'm not going to go get these experts because I'm already paying so much to the attorney. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll get into the case period of time and I'll say, I'm not saying I told you so, but what I'm saying is now I have to have someone who can give me this information. Mm -hmm. We we tell our clients that as well. You know, so many people think when they're going through a divorce, the first call is to their attorney. But if they do some homework ahead of time, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets them so much farther down the road and more Absolutely. quickly. And that actually goes to my next question. What can a client do in preparation for working with you so that they can be most prepared? I do a very, very detailed initial consult. It's just my style. Every attorney mm-hmm. has a different style. My style isn't the most um, lucrative for me, but allows me to make informed decisions and allow them to make informed decisions. And, mm-hmm. and part of that, I'll say, what you talked about with style, is I say I always give people the names of other attorneys that I think might be a good fit for them. And they're mm-hmm. usually people that I practice with that I like, that I respect. And I genuinely gauge the person and say, you know, so if you leave here and you say, a crazy redhead was fast talking and it, you know, <laughs> I didn't understand half the stuff she said and she made my head hurt and my dad hated her, go see someone else because a lot of it's about style. We'll all ultimately come to the same thing. But one of the other things I say to them is, before they come in, the person who takes their call says, bring five years worth of tax returns. 
Um, you know, it, again, it depends. If it's an emergency protective order or a complex custody matter, it might be different, but I always need five years worth of tax returns. Okay. Get me any kind of um, documents that you have related to retirement accounts. Show us what you own and what you don't own. Complete this financial declaration. Okay. And a lot of times, I also have clients come in 30 minutes beforehand, and I intentionally ask them to fill out the paperwork while they're sitting there mm -hmm. because it gets your head in the game. Because mm -hmm. so many people do come in crying and upset right. and worked up, and they and they want to spend the first hour getting therapy. And I say, I'm a great therapist, but I am <laughs> not really licensed to do it. Yeah. Right. And so if you can stay focused, if you've met with a financial planner ahead of time, if you've met with, you know, and it, some people can't afford a divorce financial planner, but do you have someone in your family who's good with numbers? Can your right. brother-in-law sit down and, you know, when people come and say, I don't know what I need and I don't know what I have, it's very expensive. Yes. I'm happy to help them. But yeah. subpoenas are not the least expensive way to get your information. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. So can you go over with us what exactly is complex litigation? In my opinion, because we don't have a family law specialty in this state, which would define something like that, complex litigation is anything that I think is very likely to end up a trial. Okay. Um, and even if it doesn't end up a trial, and the majority of them don't, anything that's a, a high net value case oftentimes will be considered complex. But sometimes you having a lot of money doesn't make it complex because they're easily able to divide. Right. But if you mix debt into the mix, particularly during the recession, you know, if you make $60,000 a month, but you spend $62,000 a month, that's a complex litigation case because right. alimony, those sorts of issues make it very complex. Anything that would be subjective to a judge makes it complex. Okay. So, how many cases, just to be curious, <clears throat> yeah. how many cases do you think actually go to, lit to court, to litigation? percentage-wise? Well, I think that it depends on the attorneys. Honestly, different lawyers have different ways they manage. You know, not everyone does only family law. That might be just be a small portion of their practice. For me, I say, I would say that at least 15% of my cases get to up to the brink of trial. And I'd say probably about 10% of my cases go to an actual That's trial. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so yes, much for being here. We so enjoy working with you. Yes, we do. Well, your, thanks your for having me. Your whole firm. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for joining us. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to write us a letter or an email to ask a question that we can address on a later show, please do. Our email is info at divorce, the letter U, solutions.com. And remember, we chat because you matter. <laughs>